I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. You're listening to Popcorn Pals, and this episode, we're joined by Dave Lee from Dave Lee Down Under, where we're discussing Disney Pixar's Elemental. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff, and this is Popcorn Pals, a popcorn podcast with Lee and Tim spinoff, where I'll be joined by a rotation of movie-loving legend guest hosts to discuss the latest and greatest new big screen releases. It's the same salty fun with some new flavors. And I feel so lucky to have someone I have admired for quite some time in the land of podcasts and YouTube content creation and movie interviews with big name directors and actors. My pal Dave Lee, aka Dave Lee Down Under, is joining me today. How are you, Dave? I'm great, Tim. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Now, I feel like I'm a bit late to the party here because we have had you on the podcast before. Last year, when I was on leave or on leave from the podcast, I take annual leave. (laughs) I was on holidays or wherever I was, who knows? Um, You and Lee talked about Secrets of Dumbledore, the latest Fantastic Beast. So you can go and check out that episode, friends. You can listen to that. So thanks for agreeing to talk to me this time. Of course. It's great to finally, we've had so many interactions on instagram and whatever and um and I, I listen to your podcast and watch interview videos and stuff like that so it's um obviously yes i'm happy to be here so thank you for having me on 
Awesome. And likewise, I mean, outside of sliding into your Instagram DMs to chat the, the latest things going on in movie land, yeah, catching all your amazing stuff on your YouTube channel and your podcast in the past too. So yeah, it's really good to have you. And let's get on with the show because we're going to talk Elemental, which follows the story of an unlikely pair, Ember and Wade, in a city where fire, water, land and air residents live together elemental city ember is a fiery young woman and wade a go with the flow guy and they're about to discover something elemental how much they actually have in common now elemental is directed by peter son of the good dinosaur fame as a recent pixar movie that he directed which i don't think gets enough credit are you a fan of the good dinosaur I have always liked it. I understand why people perhaps don't like it. It's such it's such a quaint, very different kind of film. But um, yeah, I've always liked it. It's a nice film. I mean, look, there's not a non-nice Pixar film out there. They're all they're all nice for everyone to enjoy. Now, Elemental is has a screenplay and story by John Hobbit, Cat Lickle, and Brenda Scher from a story by Peter Son, and it stars a voice cast including Leah Lewis. Mamadou Ati, Ronnie Del Carmen, Sheila Omni, Wendy McClendon Covey, and Catherine O'Hara. Bow down to the Queen, Catherine O'Hara. Now, before we get into discussing the film itself, I wanted to chat about a few things you brought up in your review of Elemental, which is now on your YouTube channel. So after you've listened to this episode, of course, listener, you can head over to Dave Lee Down Under on YouTube. Now, you went into Elemental with some low expectations. Can you unpack that for me a little bit? Why was that? It's interesting because I think, and I I talked about this in my review at length, is that the marketing on this film has been so weird Mm. in that it's been, and I think the last few Disney movies, in fact, have suffered from this, is that for some reason the marketing hasn't been pushed out as far. And from what I've seen, like there's, there's been as much marketing trailers the same amount of trailers posters etc but it doesn't feel like this stuff's being pushed out as much and particularly in the case of this movie it feels like we were sold a completely different film to what we actually got and that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily a bad thing but i'm sure we'll get into that a bit more later when we get into the meat of the film but yeah it just felt like they were trying to sell us on this really kind of generic animated movie and that's kind of how it came across in the marketing early receptions to it weren't great uh, granted, they came from Cannes Film Festival, which is probably not the best you know, audience for something like this. It was such a weird decision of the oh, festival yeah. to mm. curate Elemental into the mm-hmm. mix of things. So I agree. It was just a weird, oh, it's um, premiering at Cannes. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I thought the same with Indiana Jones. It's almost kind yeah. of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the Cannes trying to up the exposure they're trying to get into the I don't, I don't know what it is but yeah I thought it was very strange and mm-hmm. of course yeah, the reception out of that was just was not great uh, but naturally the audience you get from Khan is not this is not that in that wheelhouse I suppose yeah so so yeah I kind of went into it with a, a bit lower expectations I guess also the last few Disney animated things haven't been great as well and I just mm-hmm. kind of feel a bit soured but I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I totally agree with you about the misleading and arguably lackluster marketing campaign for Elemental, which is a real shame because what we have here is a, is a really lovely movie, a really lovely story, which we'll get into. But 
I kind of want to digress and share how another recent-ish film really misled me to the point of anger in their marketing, yeah. which was Amazon Prime's Cinderella. Oh, yeah. Because it alluded to the fact that it was an original musical because in all the trailers it had that one song that Camila Cabello was singing and it was an original sound. But what we ultimately got was a tacky, awful cringe jukebox musical I wish I never saw and I I really think that that marketers need to like not show you everything not play all their cards in the marketing but actually give you an insight into what it is and I went into Elemental having only watched the teaser which I think came out last year yeah. It was a really cool sequence of Ember walking onto a train and interacting with all the other people within the city so I had no idea that what I was actually walking into was a Pixar rom-com and an immigrant story. Yeah. And I think they're two huge headlines that are really important to share with an audience because they're important stories to tell. My gut feeling with this is that perhaps they're worried about the the demographic that's going for. And okay. I think... Disney have always been really weird about trying to market a movie for all audiences and being scared that if they market it one way, mm. it'll neglect other part of the audience. So for me, it could be that they've gone and we've got a romance story on our hands, but we don't want to neglect like the male audience. Um, and this is something they've suffered with for a long time is that they have a real trouble in marketing I think really anything. And they did, like, when that Winnie the Pooh movie came out in, like, 2010, they barely marketed that. They did, like, one trailer and Mm. there was, like, two or three posters. And that was because over the years they had watered down that brand so much that it became, like, the Disney Kinder brand. You know, Mickey Mouse is, like, the the symbol of the studio. And then you've got, like, Winnie the Pooh is, like, the Kinder you know, preschool Disney sort of icon. And when they did that movie, which is such a gorgeous, like incredible film, they really struggled to market it because they because they thought Winnie the Pooh was like the kinder thing and people wouldn't. Um, so I think we got a similar thing here where they just, they were worried about, you know, neglecting a, a section of the audience. It's a gorgeous movie. It's a gorgeous story. And it is one that um, is important and important now. And rom-coms are great. That's one of my favorite genres of all time. Like my yes. Notting Hill is the movie, is one of the films <laughs> I revisit once or twice a year. Yep. Love Actually, I watch every year. Even like Adam Sandler, like Big Daddy and The Wedding Singer, 51st Dates. I grew up on all this stuff. I adore rom-coms. And I was so surprised when I got in the scene. I was like, hang on, we're going, this is great. Because we've never really seen this in animation before, I don't think, like like this anyway. No, I I was trying to wrap my brain about that exact question or thought, like, has the medium of animation lent into these uh, genres before? But let's let's kick off with story. I want to start here in that when we're first introduced into the film, we're kind of thrust into on the surface, a truly harmonious city of all the elements Mm. working together and coexisting. And there's some really fun stuff in that until really quickly, the cracks in the rampant discrimination within elemental Mm. city start to present themselves, namely targeted towards the fire people, which Ember is, is one of. And this was a surprise for me in a Pixar movie that I welcomed the dialogue around it because Mm. despite the fantastical nature of Elemental City, it felt real and it felt human straight away. And this is what Pixar do best. 
And I think what the medium of animation allows is for difficult conversations to be presented in a really accessible way for kids and heck like also in this movie it's for adults yeah absolutely i think it's that it, you, you got it right there like pixar it's like been the crux of their storytelling since the beginning it's a story about toys a story about cars about monsters but they are all something there's just something beneath the surface and I saw one comment, um, or I'd say numerous comments on social media about, oh, I remember when Pixar movies weren't all political and stuff. I'm like, hang on a minute. And I was like, no, the comment that I saw was like, oh, remember when Pixar movies weren't political? Give me, give me the, the Incredibles and Monsters Inc. I was like, I had to reply. I was like, hang on a minute. You do realize that like Monsters Inc. is about like accepting people or accepting others for who they are, despite yes. the fact they might be a little bit different. And I said, if The Incredibles had been released today, you would call Frozone woke. Right. You know, you like the, like the, just knock my, my microphone there. <laughs> you, you're a little bit excited. But like, you know, he's a very like front and center lead character, Frozone, an African-American superhero. If yeah. you did that today, everyone would be going, oh, you're pushing an agenda. But people yes. don't, just don't have such short memories. But that's like an example. Pixar have done this for so long. And like the Incredibles was, was the same deal, which was about, you know, people who are a little bit different or whatever. And um, Elementals really, yeah, tackling head on this, this sort of immigrant story. Yeah. And director Peter Son has put a lot of himself and his story into it. Yes. And that's what I'm what, loving, particularly with this kind of new wave of the Pixar stuff. It, they're really picking their filmmakers and letting them tell their story. We yes. saw it with Turning Red more recently. I, I just think it's just just such a beautiful way to, to tell these stories. And it does. It makes it feel it makes it feel real. And um I'm my grandparents and my mother, they they immigrated from from Italy in the nineteen sixties. So mm. I could relate with that because I knew people like particularly like Ember's parents. Uh, my my grandparents were, you know, understand the struggles of humming into a a new life, you know, assimilating with a new culture and new yeah. people and that kind of maybe that more disgruntled nature that they, you know, there's something really heavy on on their shoulders that Ember's parents have carried their whole life. And like, that's something mm. that I picked up on from my grandparents as well. Um, so there's definitely something I could relate to. And yeah, Gina, it just felt just like such a real, a real tangible thing. I think yeah. it's such a, they did it such a beautiful way. Thanks for sharing, Dave, because, um, you know, it's it's so important to voice the fact that um, like when a movie resonates with you in a really unique and particular way, it's great that this, this story of an immigrant family finding their feet and dealing with the discrimination because they were different, looking different and how they interacted with the world differently and how they were put on the literally outer limits of the city. They were, they were mm -hmm. separated from yeah. Elemental City. And that way there's some quite tangible discrimination going on about space. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so nice to hear that you can relate to that in some way too. And just yeah. building on the the fact that you pulled out earlier was that it is based on the director Peterson's life and his parents emigrated from Korea into the US and, and they lived in the Bronx. And what's really nice in terms of the synergy and coming from a lived experience and authentic voice, which you mentioned mm -hmm. before, yeah. the stories being told from people who have lived these stories in, in yeah. some way is that his family opened up a grocery store um, selling fruits and vegetables. And Ember's family had a was it called a, f a fire store? Just like these great puns and yeah, plays on like words. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there's literally or the fireplace. That was the fireplace, the fireplace or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. So I think that's really, really important from a story perspective in this world forever and always. And it's great to see that story being given a, a such a big platform like in a in a Pixar movie. But of course it does because Pixar just find ways of telling universal stories but through really specific lived experiences that just have something for everyone. Yeah, I think so. And like I said, you had that with Turning Red recently, Domi mm. Shi, very much her kind of story, her culture uh, thrown into that with Soul, uh, Kemp Power. And like, you know, these these movies are just so, just so beautiful, so wonderful. And I think there's like this real beautiful thread that you can send through a majority of the Pixar stuff um, and they're all just human stories told through these weird kind of characters. This one's like a, a like a, you know, water guy and a fire girl, yeah. you know, and, and that's why that's then when I think it's such a disservice to have like advertise the movie about cool fire girl and water dude, get up to some yeah. wacky things in this element city. And then it's just this completely different thing. But maybe, maybe the other thing is Disney's like, Oh, they want to avoid that kind of conversation that all oh, this movie might be too woke mm. for some section of the audience, you know, in, in inverted commas <laughs> for people who I can't see it, you know. Um, but you know, I think like we had that backlash over Lightyear. There was yeah. like that two-second gay kiss in the film, and that caused such an uproar. And it's like maybe they just were like, let's just avoid any sort of I don't know. It's, it's weird, but I think it was a very huge disservice to the movie to market it as something that it absolutely not. Yeah. Look, there's so much to unpack with that. There's like a whole uh, podcast series on that alone, I reckon. But mm. there's two things that disappoint me about what you said is, is it disappointing that audiences have that reaction to these stories, these authentic stories? That's really upsetting. But it's also yeah. disappointing for me that Disney don't just cut out the noise, the white noise and just go yeah. forward and, and honor and respect the stories that they're empowering their filmmakers to tell, but they're not being clear and open that it's a story that is being told here. So yeah, fire girl, water guy, there's cool stuff in that alone. I totally mm -hmm. agree. That's awesome. Sold. That's my buy-in, yeah. but there's so much more heart to this film that you, no one knows unless you go yeah. and see it. I thought the same thing. It's like, you're willing to go the extra mile to make these movies mm -hmm. treat them like how they should be. It's like, there's like at some, some weird thing that then is, it almost feels like, Oh, we we're doing it, but Oh, Oh shit. We're a bit scared. Let's like pull the, pull the brakes a little bit, but to, before it gets out to the audience and like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's so weird. It's such a weird thing. It really is like it's a miracle that they that some of these movies are getting made, mm. but then like treat them with the respect. Exactly. Then that extra extra mile to um I don't know to treat them as they are, I suppose, instead of make it like look like something else. Yeah, and and just to build on that in terms of honoring and respecting these stories, what I'm really grateful for is that this original Pixar movie is finally hitting the big screen because over the mm. last few years, we've been hit with the pandemic and yeah. different uh, content distribution strategies that Disney luckily had a platform there and ready to go to serve content yeah. to audiences uh, through different experiences, not being able to get out in the world and, and have those shared cinema experiences. We've already referenced Turning Red and Soul, two of some of my favorite animated films of the last five, 10 years, going straight to streaming. 
which again is also a whole other podcast to unpack that yeah. whole world. Um, <laughs> but it's great to see that an original Pixar story for the first time in what, three years or something yeah. is finally getting the big screen treatment. And I'm really grateful for that. It's just a shame that the marketing behind it didn't give it the best shot to yeah. make it known what sort of beautiful story it was telling. Can we talk about the the rom-com part of the story? Yeah. You know, girl meets boy, boy and girl have an awkward encounter, you know, the meet cute of it all. And they don't see eye to eye. Of course, that's in the, in the formula of a rom-com. It's a classic setup of literally opposites attract. Uh, here we have fire and water. It should spell disaster, but what we get is great comedy and heart. You said rom-coms are like, is some of your favorite genre. How did you sort of respond to the way that that they played within the rom-com genre within this medium. I lo- well, I loved it. Obviously, <laughs> um, I just think it's like, sit- I'm like literally sitting there thinking. I have, I'm trying to think when has any studio attempted to do this in animation before, and it struck me weird because it just worked so well. It's like made for it. Like we see these rom-coms, which is opposites attract the goofball and the high society girl, or you mm. know the the big oafish guy and the and then the pretty woman or whatever the stuff you see in sitcoms and and all of that but you've never really seen it like two weird like monster people right. like like a fire girl and a, and a water guy and i just thought like how was how have they never done this like it's just it just works so well the way they've been able to visualize that analogy or make that formula work is just like like how how haven't you done this before and why hasn't it been done like a million times? But I think at, at mm. that, it, it doesn't make it, it makes it even more special. And as someone who loves the, that genre and who loves animation, it was just so cool. It was just really cool to see. I, lo- I love my experience with the movie. Yeah. I mean, the, the formula that they kind of twist works mm. here. And I think really well within the medium of animation, because you can really stretch the boundaries of, mm-hmm. of having fun with how the characters interact with each other and all the quirks and idiosyncrasies of them. And what we get here, though, because there's it ladders up to these really beautiful layers of the immigrant story, is that they fall in love with each other's cultures as well and the customs mm-hmm. that they didn't know before. Because it's the whole, it's the classic Romeo and Juliet piece. Yep. Elements don't mix. Literally, it's something that a character says in the movie. Mm-hmm. But there's so much to discover about yourself through discovering other people's lived experiences. And there's a real tender and fun way that they go about that in this in this film yeah I, I thought so too and like i you mentioned romeo and juliet that's like one of my sort of first thoughts was like mm. but i mean if you take any romantic story or romantic comedy or whatever you draw a line back to romeo and juliet and of course romeo and juliet was an original story either that was based on fables that came out of italy and france and you know greater europe um, sort of bef- even before Shakespeare's time. So it's just such a real kind of traditional story. And to do the Romeo and Juliet thing where it pulls in culture and ties that into the story, and whether that be the setting of, of Verona of Italy or uh, and that melding with the Shakespearean English weird language and just those two characters from two very different backgrounds falling in love with each other when they shouldn't and that extra layer of the family not agreeing with that. Yes. And then you go back to something like uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, the the, uh, the classic Sidney Poitier film. 
Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. And it's very similar as well there, where it tackles it with that sort of real dramatic edge, but there's a lot of humor in it too. Um, so I think it is, yeah, it's something that has been done before and it throws back to a lot of these great sort of ideas. Um, but yeah, then to do it in animation is just is so cool. It's really awesome. I, I want to see. unpack a few things that I guess you could call them criticisms or or notes of, of the film from my perspective. I'm keen to hear your take. While we're still on the point of rom-coms, I don't know whether it was an ingredient of the rom-com genre that I felt was missing, but they didn't have like any friends. Uh, there was not, there wasn't a, a best friend oh, yeah. for Wade and there wasn't a best friend for yeah. Ember. And, and maybe that's okay because it was, it was such a targeted, you know, intimate story about the immigrant family and then, you know, Ember herself and then Wade and we got a flavor of what his family were like as well. Uh, but I felt like there might've been a missing ingredient of like a best friend or an insight into who they were from a different perspective that could have, you know, helped with the the rom-com element of the story. You looked surprised when I said that, mm. like, is it something that you didn't bother about? Or you're like, oh yeah, where was the best friend in the piece? Oh, well, yeah, only because it's not mm. something I really thought about. I didn't even think about it. But now you mentioned, I'm like, hang on a minute, you're right. I just think it's such a story about like the outsider, the two mm. characters are both outsiders. And I think maybe that's the way that they come to connect with each other and they, they fall for each other, each other is that they both see themselves in this other character, even though yes. they are so different. They've got like this, I guess, the common ground. But you're right, I just, that's, yeah, not something I really even thought about. Well, there you go. A thought bubble from me to you, Dave. Thank you very much. <laughs> something to dwell on. Yeah, something to dwell on. <laughs> I also felt like I, I wanted to dive deeper into the culture of the fire people because they teased in it and it was really interesting elements of, for lack of a better word, uh, of, of the movie. <laughs> it was sure. It was a focus story. Like you mentioned about two characters and their own romantic journey, which is fine, but there was so much more story to tell here and whether I'm just greedy because I wanted to know more about all these other elements within the city, I felt like there was some really interesting layers that they could have delved into and who knows maybe there'll be like an offshoot spin-off tv series like they tend to do that will yeah. show up on disney plus where we'll explore elemental city more but i think i i just i, I yearned for more understanding about about those beautiful layers of the story I, I think they only scratch the surface in that space yeah i agree with that I, I thought i thought the same thing because there's just like especially that first trailer mm -hmm. where she's walking through the the train and you get all the different people and like my first thought was like, wow, just like imagine the possibilities of the storytelling yeah. here and the kind of gags they can get out of it. Mm. And just real, my, my cartoon brain yeah. just goes to like the possibilities you can have with these characters and this world. Um, and yeah, just didn't really dive into it. And But I think you were on the money. I think they felt they probably had the thought that this does really well. Mm. We've got a limited series in there. It's like that Zootopia plus yep. thing that they did mm. where it like did like it was like what five or six minute shorts are focused on different characters. I think it could be very similar to that. But yeah, I want I want to see more. I want to see the dirt people and the yes. uh, you know the cloud the cloud people and see you know what their life is like. Um, I think even even like the world of the fire people and the 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 water people we didn't really dive that deep into either i think they could have gone a little bit further we could have got a little bit more but then how much do you shove in before it starts impacting the intimate story mm. you're trying to tell but yeah i think 
Yeah, I think there's so much possibility in it. So much possibility. And maybe slightly cynical that we just put our, oh, they're thinking of a franchise. They're putting their franchise hat on. How, yeah, well. <laughs> how, how can we How can we um, make this bad boy just work hard, as hard for us as possible from a content perspective? But, hey, that's just the world yeah, we live in. That's how it works now. Just talking about how, you know, there was something that distracted me from the story that it was trying to tell. And I, I, it was around the pace. You know how there were a lot of flashbacks that kind of yeah. established some context around who the five people were and some of their customs. And I felt like it could have been more effective as a storytelling tool if it was a little more linear because every time they chose to flash back to the past, it seemed to just happen. Like it wasn't a natural sort of transition within the story. Do you know what I'm, yeah. did you feel the same yeah. thing? No, I've had the same. Yeah. It just felt very disjointed. Mm. Like had they just like given us like vomit of like exposition at the beginning or something just like to set it up, maybe that could have worked or because it didn't even feel like, you know, usually when you do that, you throw back to, flashback flat you like you reveal an extra layer yeah. you get like a little bit it was like almost like they didn't really add a whole lot i mean other than giving you backstory but mm. just yeah it felt very disjointed and not like it was like leading up to anything in particular so true maybe just like a, a, a explosion of exposition <laughs> at the beginning some flashback i don't know might have been might have been okay but yeah i do think that was a bit a bit odd yeah it just took me out of the piece i i valued what they were showing us but i thought oh I wish they had, yes, that explosion of exposition at the beginning. I understand maybe that was a choice they made because you do get a lot of visual exposition already when you're first entering it. Like yeah. just, it is a lot to take in in there visually that, that speaks to character without saying it's like show, don't tell. So they do that really well. Pixar nail that every time. I think that maybe they could have done what up did so beautifully that opening is something that i think about oh, yeah. often yeah. that really yeah. really powerful emotional piece about a man and his wife and their life together and then his life mm -hmm. once she passes and oh, like seriously i've got chills just thinking about that damn opening like what an impact <laughs> and so i think that maybe this film could have really lent into that strategy mm -hmm. um, from a story perspective yeah. and maybe packed a more emotional punch and just kept the pace of things a little tighter throughout the life of the movie. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. I, th I think like that opening of Up is one of the greatest openings of not just any animated yeah. film, but any film ever. It is just so, uh, you don't even need to know a lot. It's just a montage of their life. Yeah. And it doesn't even need to go too deep. It's There's no dialogue. It's just gorgeous music. Yes, Michael Chikino's incredible score. Stunning. It's just, that's all you need. For that backstory and that just gives the movie its heart that scene you tell you talk to anyone about up the first thing you think about is that opening scene mm. it is heartbreaking it's heartwarming it's beautiful and it's just that's all you need and maybe that's yeah maybe that's what this film needed just something we're just giving it that backbone a little tweak we recommend a director's mm. cut to disney pixar yeah. with that just restructure <laughs> it just slightly for us for us yeah. pair I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, is there anything else about the story that you'd like to chat about? Or do you want to launch into the characters and the voice performances? Let's get in the characters and voice performances. Now, we have Ember who is the main character in this, obviously equally with, with Wade, um, and, and they're voiced by Leah Lewis. You know, she's at a crossroads in her life because her father is, is getting old and she's being trained to one day, one day alluded to, one day teased to take over the shop, mm-hmm. the family business. And the shop is their livelihood. It's their identity as an, as an immigrant family, which is made really, really clear in the story. But who we have in Amber is a woman who's trying to figure out who she is and what she wants. Yeah, how did how did you like her character? I loved it. I loved like both of them. Mm. Um, I thought the voice the the voice performances were amazing, and I I even tweeted the other day. I was like, I I think this is like some of the best vocal performances we've had in in a Pixar movie, mm. in, in an animated film recently. I just think they just felt so real, and the actors that 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 were chosen here just brought something just so. Yeah, real, mm. lack of a better word to it. And I think that the character was just beautifully fleshed out. And that idea, like the the immigrant story of maybe perhaps someone who, you know, has the, an older generation uh, parents who want her to continue in that family tradition. and But then there's that very modern spin of, and if you think about it, it's also very Disney princess as well yeah. in the fact that the parents want them to whatever, leave the kingdom or, mm. you know, whatever, and not run away with the, with the mall rat or whatever, you know, it's, it's sort street of rat. like, um, street rats. <laughs> that's the word I, I thought, no, that's not quite right. Street rat. Um, mall rat, Kevin Smith. Yeah, that's a totally different <laughs> vibe. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's like that that sort of thing as well as like defying the parents, mm-hmm. but she also just has like such a deep respect for the parents yes. as well. And she's not, perhaps when you think about the Disney princesses, they can be very rebellious. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really have that rebellious streak. She just wants to be her own person, not getting to spoiler territory, but doesn't want to upset the parents yeah. at the same time. And that's that like inner conflict. I thought it was just worked out so beautifully. It's just such a really great sort of arc through it. And they, and they fleshed her out really nice. Yeah. Beautifully put. I want to add one thing to the conversation about an element of her character. Gee, I'm unintentionally being punny with, uh, with my language in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Please forgive me. Amber loses her temper a lot. And Mm -hmm. I think it brings forward a conversation about anger management, but more than that, social anxiety, stress, and and then how you manage those feelings and emotions in real life situations, you know, that as well as the the immigrant story and the rom-com and and that sort of thing, it's it's another conversation to be opened up uh, around the dinner table with families around that because... I was really surprised, not surprised, I don't know, what, what, what word should I use? But it was refreshing to see a character who didn't have it all together and manifested her emotions in in a way that we can all relate to, that you don't necessarily yeah. might 
reveal about yourself that you lose your temper and you get angry. We all do. It, we're human. So mm-hmm. I loved that it was that it was being showcased in an animation in a kids film. And we can all relate, right? Did you ever work in yeah. uh, customer service and just how freaking irate you would be um, at those shitty customers that would come in and, oh, maybe I'm going to triggering territory because I'm going back to my time <laughs> behind the counter. <laughs> I did very brief stint when I was in England mm-hmm. a few years ago. I did a very brief stint at HMV store. Oh, okay. So it's like their, it's essentially their JB Hi-Fi mm-hmm. media thing. And it was in Cambridge. So obviously some very, very posh mm. people would come into the store and deal, dealing with them is very, is, is, is another story. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, a lot of just weird, weird, strange, wonderful people would come in and you, you know, you know, the people are like, oh, yeah. it's just like, one guy got, one guy got annoyed with me because they didn't have a DVD. I was like, he was looking for one of the Peter Kay's stand-up DVD. I was like, I think all I've got is this, it's just like this, whatever, like variety show he yeah. did. I don't want that. I have that one. And I'm just like, well, I can't. It's your fault, you know, Dave. It's a stupid thing like it that. It was your fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's like that scene where with that kid there pinching the little sparklers. Yes. And it's that same sort of like, really like, <laughs> why are you annoying me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely have had those experiences for sure. It's buy one, get one free. Well, I'll have the free one. It doesn't yeah. work like yeah. that. Oh, my gosh. Those sorts yeah. of where you just can't reason with uh, with idiots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, let's talk about Wade Ripple, which I, I love the name. I love the sort of inventiveness, simple inventiveness of, of working yeah. what element they are into the into the character name, which is always a, f- a fun shtick of animation where their names are really cool. So Mamadou Ati, yeah. now he he is a city inspector and arguably alongside maybe a ticket inspector, the most hated public servant <laughs> profession in all the land. Um, his job is yeah. to pick faults in things, but it it's juxtaposed with his beautiful sensitive nature and he's so open to learn new things about the people that he interacts with and it really hurt to see him have to do a job that clearly wasn't suited to him but then we just go on a journey of discovering who Wade is and and Ember sees that we kind of see that through Ember's eyes yeah it's just a really lovely he's just a really lovely character isn't he yeah I, I thought but one of my favorite things about it was that first scene that he's in, like you mentioned, and he's has to write her those tickets and you take, he's just so nervous and he's got like water <laughs> dripping down. This is a guy made from water sweating. who's just <laughs> yeah. like sweating. Yeah. And I thought that is just brilliant. Uh, like I said, n- like the cartoony possibilities with these characters. I'm not, I, was, that's, I think that's one of my favorite beautiful little gags in the movie is that he's just constantly and throughout the movie, he's just constantly like sweating. Yeah. And it just it just adds this real again humanity to the character. Yes. I, I thought I thought it was good. I thought they were both great. I thought both the characters were just so cool. And the way not only they did it narratively, but they were able to do it visually. Mm. And and like we mentioned with Ember and her bursts of anger, and she turns purple. Mm-hmm. It's like purple fire, like really like That's bad. That's you know, hot. Um, yeah, <laughs> real hot fire. Like, I just thought just the way they were able to do it visually mm. is great. But yeah, Wade is just such a yeah, such a great character, and I thought the same. It's like just hard to watch him. Like I don't want to do this, but I have to do it. I have to get back to get back to the job and like clock out for the day, or I'll you know get the sack or whatever. But no, they're just beautiful. Just both really beautiful characters. Uh, one of the things that I really appreciated about Wade Ripple was that 
he wasn't afraid to show his emotions. And and neither was Ember, although she didn't particularly have control or they overcome and she needed to learn how to how to manage them. But Wade's emotions were embraced and encouraged by his family. The the crying of happiness was something that was just so open and apparent. How did you find that? Like, did you always find it endearing or were you slightly irated or by that from time to time? Because I felt like maybe they lent into that just a little too much. And I thought, does he have to cry like all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was like like the crying game that they play. It's just like it was very funny, yeah. um. But yeah, it's almost like like a gag that they just like just keeps repeating it. That it's like a, a bit too much. But I do, yeah, I love the idea of the character, especially a male character mm-hmm. who can show, you know, a softer side and be more open. And uh, you know, and we particularly haven't really seen that in the Disney cartoon. We're used to seeing the princes, and the prince is the one that's supposed to step in and and save save the day and save the princess. And in some respect, it's almost like a twist on that where Ember is the one who comes in and saves him or they, they save each other, but you know, she comes in and helps him get out of, you know, whatever. But um, it didn't, it didn't bother me too much. I don't think I just think that that gag of him, them crying a lot was, uh, was, yeah, it did get repeated a bit too much, but I love that idea of then we don't see characters like this Mm. that often. And I thought it was really nice. But I did like the, juxtaposition of one set of parents not really wanting you know the fire girl to be with the water mm. you can't you know you can't be with the the water guy but then her his family being just so open and embracing yes. about it and that felt real as well because i feel like in a lot of these situations in in more real life where it might be um you know a mixed relationship or something yeah. in some cases you probably will have one family that is a bit more you know, against that idea, well, another family will be very open arms about mm. it. Um, and I think that's maybe a spin we ha- again haven't really seen that often before. And I, I felt that was quite refreshing as well. I, re- I just, I love just when, when she first goes into his family, uh, I was expecting them to be like, like the Romeo and Juliet thing, which is like both families are just so like, you know, absolutely cannot be together. Yes. It was just so refreshing to be like, oh wait, that's they're, they're like. They're embracing this. Mm. And I loved to see that as well because, you know, it does show just different facets of life. Yeah, I, I mean, we're also experiencing that um, unexpectedly as an audience member through the experience of Ember because she comes from, she's ostracized in the community and yet she feels like kind of taken aback by the fact that Wade's family have really welcomed her in and they're curious about her yeah. and there's no ifs, buts, queries, questions, concerns. She's, she can sit at the dinner table and that's that. But it's important to weigh that against her experience compared to Wade's and just how it is all beautifully woven together. And just speaking of that, I'd like to talk about Ronnie Del Carmen's work um, as Bernie Ember's dad, because I found him to be such a sweet man Mm -hmm. and he was focused on the happiness of his family and that work hard mentality of a small business owner paired with the immigrant experience. And just like Ember and Wade's relationship developing, I really loved seeing Ember and her dad's relationship on screen too. And then it was just a, a really, really beautiful one, one that was laid in respect, some conflict as well. But I think that plays mm-hmm. out nicely and as expected. Yeah, what would you have to say about the character of Bernie? I loved him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like 
the first moment I saw him on the screen, I I knew exactly who this guy was, yeah. and that's my grandfather. Oh, that's beautiful. very just very hard edged man. Mm. He passed away when I was twelve. He was in his eighties when he passed away, and that's a long time ago, 20, 20, 20 odd years ago. Yeah, um, but he was he had been through the war, uh, World War Two. Yeah. Italian soldier mm. was captured as as a um, prisoner of war by the English army and ended up um, at the end of the war staying in England and working on the farm. It was like accepted, like they're like we need we need farm hands. I saw his story in Ember's father in that it was that guy that just did what he had to do to keep his family together and in my grandfather's case that was move the family from Europe to Australia mm. in the 60s and you know moved to a new place where they didn't know anyone and didn't know the language and my grandmother was illiterate so she couldn't read or write and she was very hard-edged as well and I just saw that in these characters but the love that's inside the characters that they just have nothing but love for their family yes. and just want to do everything for their family, make sure that their family don't have to go through what they went through. And I feel like Ember's father is from that same generation yes. and he's probably been through a lot. He, you know, may have been through a war in this fantastical world or whatever it is. And he just understands what it is to have that hard life mm. and want to have, the best life he can for for his for his family for his wife and his children whatever and i just knew instantly when i saw him on the screen and that's just how real it was like within seconds i was like this is an immigrant story like this is like that um so yeah i re i related with that a lot and i love that character mm. yeah i saw a lot of my my not just my grandfather but my grandparents mm. in him uh, that hard edge but with that real soft center that is just like you know it's it's a very strict very strict wanting you just it, but but it's not from a, a any like place of um uh, malice or anything mm. it's just like because they want the best from you and they want you to achieve the best and be the best you can uh, and i just loved it it's such a beautiful character both of the parents really beautiful characters no oh, i love hearing your re resonance with with this story and and those characters mm. thanks for sharing and i mean it just goes to show again um, that we mentioned at the top of the episode was that these stories coming from an authentic place and you can clearly tell that it comes through the lens of Peter Son's lived experience as an immigrant and, you know, arguably his father running their fruit and vegetable shop in, in Brooklyn or the Bronx mm -hmm. rather. So yeah, yeah. It, it was a really great, really great relationship to see play out on screen and one that has certainly stuck with me in terms of how the immigrant experience of, of the fire people of Ember's family, how that ladders into their beautiful customs, you know, we both agree we wanted to see more of, um, but it just added a, yeah. a layer of nuance and just added a bit of profoundness to their experience as yeah. well. Are, are there any other characters that you want to call out that you particularly enjoyed in this movie before we move on to the next part? I, I loved it. It's not a character that was even in it that long. It was was it Wade's boss when they go to that and he's just like sitting there in the office surrounded by like dirt <laughs> and he's just a grumpiest guy. Yeah. I thought he was just just really just a really funny, cool, like cartoony character. And like we said, that's like more like that's the stuff I wanted more of in this yeah. movie. Just makes that 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 this world seem uh, more lived in or more, you know, expansive. Mm. 
I just, I just that even that interaction between those three, the three characters, and this like gruff, like dirt guy. It's just, I thought, it was, I thought it was really cool. Or again, that kid that just wanted to steal. As annoying as he is, I thought it was just brilliant. That's su- just such a good little my gag. queen. <laughs> as he went past the flower. Uh, yeah, no, Wade's Wade's boss is the. I, I got like. Mike Wazowski, you forgot to file your papers last night. (laughs) You know, just that classic sort of thing that Disney get so well, those really quirky characters that that are sometimes like like you, you take away and be like, gee, I love that character. I'd love to revisit that. And they they become quite infamous in that sense. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to talk about the, the look of the film for a little bit, you know, Pixar are so inventive with the everyday and turning it into something magical or clever in the context of the world in which their characters inhabit. I think their world building is world-class, like it, it's second to none. And this movie is as much a visual feast as, as any Pixar movie. What were some of the things that really struck out in terms of the, the style and the look of the movie that you really, really loved? I, I love that it was like a little different to something that Pixar really does. Mm. And I think Pixar maybe at one point had like a house style, like you'd look at a movie and know it's a Pixar mm-hmm. film. Uh, but I feel like in more recent years, they're kind of pushing away from yeah. that. Interesting observation. And doing something that's maybe a little bit yeah. different and just it looks a little bit different. The characters look a little bit different. I just love the idea that the way they worked with like a color palette and yes. each character from a di- whatever different, you know, I guess race, dirt people, fire people, whatever. There's just a very different color palette used for each of the characters. But then the way that kind of all melds in together when we get those beautiful vistas of the Element City, mm. it just works so well. And they they just use color in the movie um, so so beautifully. Yeah, it's very vibrant. I mean, you, you have some primary colors of like red and blue in the titular characters and that's striking, but it's complemented by this really distinct architectural world. You know, you've got big tall buildings covered by lush greenery and water slides, people getting around. I mean, that's fun. Sign me up for that. Wind powered (laughs) homes. And, you know, every detail is, is like blink and you miss it. But I think that's also, it's got a rewatch value to it. And they're really fun to kind of discover. Mm -hmm. There are some that are bit more overt and they're they're fun you think oh that's a bit lame but no when it plays out in it and and in the context of the story and like character motivations i love the mexican wave at the game like i thought i thought that was yeah that was great that was wonderful it was so wonderful and it was also a really significant shift in the story about wade and ember kind of understanding each other a little more Mm -hmm. based on a character choice but it's told in such with such fun flair and and i just love that about the medium speaking of water i i don't did you feel stressed i felt stressed by all the water that the fire people were just surrounded by and interacting with because i'm like they could be extinguished in an instant uh and i was i was stressed for them i was like you know holding my breath covering my eyes you know that might be a bit traumatic but i thought surely pixar aren't gonna like kill her off like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah no, i thought i thought the same thing as like these five people just like living right on the edge of like water mm. again it's like the idea of just like them depicting how these different people have come together and assimilated their yes. cultures together yes. and 
like any city around Australia, you know, have a like Chinatown, mm. and it's this town that's just so beautifully inspired by uh, the culture of China and all the Chinese food yeah. places. And then you might go walk down the street, and there's like European architecture. That's especially in Melbourne, there's so much of this like old European mm. architecture here that we have like different um, cultural festivals. Yes. Like there was a Southeast Asian festival only a couple of weeks ago here just the celebration of all these different cultures and how they meld together and then it creates this whole new identity for for mm. a city a uh, place to live it's just like everyone has just like come together and like you you think on the surface fire people living with water yeah. and it just doesn't mix but that they found this way to make yeah. it mix and make make this world what it is and I, I think they did that really well well too and again like you said you know you might have like a big building that has like plants growing all over it or something it's just that way that the cultures have come all come together to create like a unity so that's great completely agree dave is there anything else on the tip of your tongue you'd like to share about this movie or experience with it or should we wrap up our take and rate it out of five popcorn kernels i think the only thing i can add is like go and see the film it's like i loved it way more than i Mm. thought i would uh it's not a perfect Mm. movie it's not the best pixar movie ever I wouldn't say it, it's probably not going to go down as like a classic, all-time oh, classic, sure. but it's a really beautiful mm. film and there's a lot in there that a lot of people are going to connect with and whatever angle you come at, two different people coming from different whatevers coming together and cultures coming together, whatever angle you come at this from, I think you're going to find a piece yourself in it and uh, just ignore the marketing because you're being given and at the very beginning, I, I said we've been sold a completely different movie we got in the mm. end. Sometimes that can be a bad mm. thing because the studio markets something, makes it look like something it's not to make you go see because I know it's going to be bad. But in this case, it's like turn out, it's complete opposite. It is such a wonderful, wonderful film. So uh, go and see it. That's all I can say. And support original films yes. in the theatre, especially animation, because I feel like all these particularly with what Disney Plus mm. was doing during the pandemic, great. They were able to get the, the films out there, but it, I feel like it has detrimented the audience's experience with animation. That's a whole nother podcast right yeah. there. But I feel like people are like, hey, I'll just wait three months and it'll be on mm. Disney Plus for free. I don't need to pay for this. And particularly animation that is happening with right now. And um, Disney didn't do anything to help that through the, through the pandemic, really. But I mean, it's such a weird time. Like everyone was just making it up as they went along. Uh, just go and see the movie and support it. That's all I can say, really. And so just loud and clear from Dave Lee there. But yeah, I feel like we've, we've created quite a lot of our own uh, podcast spinoffs in this episode. <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> Lots to at least three or I four might just there. do uh, one <laughs> spinoff at a time. Dave, what would you rate yeah. um, Elemental out of five popcorn kernels? Okay, well, I feel like because it's a great film, really loved it, but it's not like top, like when I think mm. of Pixar, I don't think it's like absolute classic level mm. Pixar, like Toy Story yes. or Up or like just one of those, Monsters, Inc., Ratatouille. You know, it's not like on that echelon. I don't think it's going to be like mm. a classic. I will be giving it a three popcorn kernels and a few crumbs. So three and, and a half crumbs. popcorn kernels. Yeah. Yeah. Remy from Ratatouille uh, has kind of been nibbling yeah. on, that, on that half. <laughs> pushing yeah. a four pushing a four but i think yeah three and a half there's a few just other sort of like i feel like that as mm. we said they could have done a lot more with it 
whether that's the gag mm. work or whether it's just the, the narrat- narratively mm. could have been better. Yeah, so yeah, I'll stick with my my three and three and some crumbs. crumbs. Yeah, you're changing the changing yeah. the formula of my podcast, Dave. Just got the, and some go. crumbs. Got to mix it up. <laughs> so for me, um, Elemental is a lovely, visually captivating film. A welcome shift in having an original Pixar movie in theaters after so many years on the big screen where they belong. It's a shame that the film's strengths in its tender tale of an immigrant family's journey and a woman finding her place in the world isn't heroed at all in its marketing because it's an important story to tell. And there is a big heart here, full of life and kindness and exploration of self. And it's funny, but I agree with you, Dave. It lacks that Pixar secret sauce, that that little ingredient to elevate it above the rest. But heck, it's a very high benchmark that Pixar have across their filmography. So don't let that deter you at all. I'm going to rate Elemental three and a half popcorn kernels. So I'm kind of bringing my crumbs together and creating a a whole half. (laughs) 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 So Elemental is in Australian cinemas from June 15. And that's another episode of Popcorn Pals. I was joined by Dave Lee of Dave Lee Down Under Fame. Dave, can you please tell the listener where people can find you? Of course, you can head over to Dave Lee Down Under. YouTube is my my main platform where I will deliver the latest in animation news and pop culture news and all that kind of stuff. Um, I do a regular series called Cartoon Evolution where I chart the history of cartoon characters. Amazing stuff. Some of them as many. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, some of them as many as like 100 years old. So I like I just really love telling their story and where they came from and how they've adapted over time. I think it's so yes. fascinating. If any of that sounds interesting, head on over there. David Downing, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram as well. I'm very um, I'm very active across uh, those platforms as well. So, yeah, hope to see you there. Dave, thank you so much for joining me. I've absolutely loved talking Elemental. You've made my day. and It's been wonderful. <laughs> as always, thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.